Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Happy talk, keep talking, happy talk. A really uplifting version of Happy Talk there from Cannibal Adley and Nancy Wilson. Good morning. This is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss. Thank you so much for joining me. It's your weekly spot of business mixed with music. It's the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. My business shaper today, I'm very pleased to say, is Charlie Vaughan Lee. He's the founder of the property investment business called Student Cribs. It does what it says on the tin. They have created an amazing high-end level of property for students, and there are lots more of them, which is, of course, good for his business. Lots coming up from Charlie very shortly. In addition to hearing from him, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkon Dorea. Some words of advice for your business. And on top of all of that, of course, some great music, including Zara McFarlane, new music from Ibrahim Malouf, and this from Mike Stern and Eric Johnson. Mike Stern and Eric Johnson with Red House, a Jimi Hendrix classic, and now has become a blues standard. Charlie Vaughan Lee is my business shaper today, as I said earlier. He's the founder of the property business called Student Cribs, and they basically have created a lovely portfolio. I think that's the language you use in the property world. A lovely portfolio of really nice houses for students to live in. Charlie, thank you so much for joining me. Pleasure. Thank you for having me, Elliot. In a nutshell, um, I've sort of done your, your the, the, the elevator pitch, but how would you describe what Student Cribs is now? And, and very briefly, how long have you been running for? Well, I set the business up in 2003 when I was an undergrad at Bristol University. I was in halls and was sort of fairly despondent about the fact that in order to secure a nice house for my second year to live in with my mates, I'd have to lie to a letting agent and pretend I was a young professional. Um, so in the first year, got some investors together, bought three houses, did them up and let them out and it went well. Um, I then did some other things from sort of after university in the packaging business, which we'll probably tell you about in a bit. Um, and we really have been growing student cribs aggressively since 2010. So, And now you have how many properties around the country? So we've got about 150 houses around the country or units, um, some flats as well in blocks. Um, and we've got 823 tenants in our student properties We've also got a new brand called Professional Cribs, where we are um, creating cool houses in London for young professionals. So when students graduate and come to get their first job, often they'll move to London. And uh, there's a quite a quite a shortage of good quality, affordable housing in London that are done, uh, you know, properties built well for young people who want to live in small groups, work hard and also have a bit of fun at home. Now, it's great timing. In the last 10 years, we've seen an explosion, not just of the, the population in London, but of course of the student population. So fantastically good. And we'll talk about how you, you cleverly saw that coming, obviously. Of and course, that, that's exactly course. why you yeah. design your business around it. Yeah. But it's very rare that I meet someone here that where this is their first business. Um, I imagine you were, you were busy at school making a buck. Am I right? Um, yeah, I was, I, was, I was a bit more focused on making a buck than I was on, on my lessons. Um, most of my school reports would, would detail that. But yeah, no, I set up a tuck shop in my second year at school, which I made about 20 or 30 quid a week from, which kept me in good money. Used to sell wine and cheese to parents when they came to school plays, organised an open-air rock concert to fund our 
school rugby tour, which which is still um, still going at my school 15 years later, which is quite cool. What was the buzz? I mean, that's a lot of things, and of course, then you've, you've done other things well. But at that point, you're a young. How old were you when that tuck shop happened? I was 14. Uh, and what what did it feel like when you were selling stuff and making a bit of profit? I just loved making profit. So I'd get the matron, I'd pay her a fiver to drive me to Yeovil, which is near where school was, and her Ford Escort, I think it was, and go to cash and carry and buy one penny sweets. And the margin on sweets is not quite as good as popcorn, but it's pretty damn good as margin goes. And... Um, you know, I'd, I, it was it was fun seeing people want to spend their money at school. Sure, the money wasn't very big because we were all young, but just to create something, a, bit, a tuck shop that customers wanted to line up outside during a break time between lessons and buy some snacks was good. The fact that we occasionally might have sold a stick of chewing gum accompanied with a cigarette under the desk helped as well. But that... <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm thinking I'm far, far enough away from school to, to not get in trouble for he, that. He's just admitted to past um, misdemeanors. We, we won't give him away anymore. Find out more from my, <laughs> my business shape today, Charlie Vaughan Lee, and why creating things has been a bit of a passion for him. Time for some more music. This is Madeline Peru with A Little Bit. Madeline Peru with a little bit um, here on Jazz Shapers. I've been talking to Charlie Vaughan Lee. He's my business shaper today, founder of the property company called Student Cribs. We were talking about past misdemeanors, but more importantly, the the desire to create. And whether it was the tuck shop or whether it was later on, I think you're saying at university, you, you were a nightclub promoter. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I think a lot of people who have entrepreneurship in their blood cut their teeth if they go to university with promoting nightclubs. The usual way is to, um, you know, somebody owns a nightclub, they have promoters, and then people in the first year become sub-promoters and get paid a pound or two for every person they get to go through the door. The promoters take the door money. Um, We went a step further, actually, and we sort of set a night up with, directly with the club owner, so we could take all the door money. And it was, um, you know, it was pretty profitable, actually, in terms of... Uh, disposable income. It was it was definitely the first time in my life where it made a big difference running a business, and it was it was a cash cow. Um, from my perspective, I've never been particularly creative in terms of art or music, and the only way I could or I've been able to create something is by bringing people together around an idea or a vision, motivating them to pull it off, and and getting customers excited about buying that product or service. Um, and for me, that's extremely fulfilling, building a team together and employing people. Um, if you'd asked me when I was 22, 23, what my goals were from setting up a business, I'd have probably said to be the richest man in the world and to build a really big, massive company. That's changed slightly, probably because I haven't achieved it. <laughs> but I think also because, um, you know, of course, financial success is is, is the main yardstick um, that you measure yourself against when you're running a business. Profit is is key. But um, it's extremely fulfilling, uh, setting something up from nothing, coming up with an idea and having 20, 30, 40 people working for you, paying them enough so that they can live, they can educate their kids, they can 
um, feed themselves, they can pay their mortgage. That's uh, you know for me that gives me a, a, a lot of a lot of pleasure. And student cribs, you, you employ how many people right now? We are twenty people full time and about ten people part time. It's growing at the moment. London buyer packaging the business between we got up to about forty five people. And why do they follow you, Charlie? Because I think you very um, eloquently explain what it what's in it for you and that that sense of bringing people together, that sense of them creating their own lives and living their own lives and enjoying their own lives and so on. But why do they follow Charlie Vaughan Lee? Um, I think probably because um, they can't find anyone better to follow. No, I'm joking. Um, I, th- I, th- I think you know they they they're excited about what we're doing. They can see the sense in the vision at Student Cribs, what we're achieving. The product's very good. It's a very simple idea. Um, our customers love it. Our tenants love it. And uh, we have a second customer base, which are, are our investors. Obviously, buying property is quite capital intensive, so we're continually raising money. How many investors do you have? Roughly? Well, so far, we've we've raised money really from high net worth individuals. So we have about 35 guys, all successful, or well, not just guys, people who, um, who have been very successful. And our investors tend to invest between half a million and two million pounds each into our property investment funds. So we've got about 60 million of gross assets now across our portfolios. Um, and so we have two clients. We have our investors on one side, and then we have our tenants who are living in the properties on on the other side. Um, and you know, I think to get back to your question, why do people like what we do and, and follow? We, we create a great work environment. Um, we've got a, a, a nice, relaxed work environment, but um, you know, we don't sort of rule people particularly by times clocking in, clocking out. Holiday times are fairly flexible. Um, it's just about pulling together and achieving something together. We we give everybody a share in a, a long-term incentive scheme. So part of our deal with our investors is that if the properties go up in value, we have a carried interest over a hurdle rate return. Um, and we share that with the whole team. And so people are... Our, our, all our team are genuinely aligned with us and our investors in growing something. So there's essentially two revenue streams. There's the, there's the rental and then there's obviously the upside in terms of the value of the property itself. Yeah, for our investors, they get a total return, which is a combination of net yield from the rental income we generate and then also capital growth. Very clever. Stay with me for much more from my um, business shaper, Charlie Vaughan Lee, today. Latest travel come up in a couple of minutes and before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our programme partners at Mishkon Durea. My name is Andrei Yurkiu. I'm a partner in the competition group at Mishkondorea. Now, competition law, you may be thinking this is to do with uh, winning a prize. Uh, no, this isn't what we do. This is trying to help businesses, large and small, uh, with problems that they encounter in their day-to-day business dealings. Now, one of the issues that we very regularly are asked to advise on is when you have a new startup is trying to make a name for itself in the market. And uh, sometimes the existing players will all uh, have a cosy chat and decide uh, there's not enough room for a new business coming in here. And they might decide to uh, engage in a campaign of activity to make it harder for you uh, to develop your business. Uh, It's the classic David and Goliath story, uh, and very often we can use the tools available under the competition rules to help small businesses who feel that they're being kept out of a market. Uh, A classic example could be a new broadband provider who comes in and finds it's very, very expensive for them to access a relevant network. Well, we may be able to find out for you that actually the price you're being charged uh, is far more expensive than it should really be. 
and obviously uh, your costs are going to be very important to you, they're going to be very key to you making a profit. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. This is Jazz Shapers, and you can hear me, Elliot Moss, interviewing someone who's shaping the world of business every Saturday morning from nine o'clock sharp. Today, my brilliant interviewee is Charlie Vaughan Lee. He's my business shaper, and he's the founder of Student Cribs. They offer rather nice, swanky places for students to live, uh, and they can rent those places. Now, when I was a student 100 million years ago in the Jurassic Age, our places were not particularly nice. I mean, they're pretty horrible, actually. And it, it was cheapish, but it was not good value for money. When you began your business in 2002, it came from that insight, didn't it, that you, you saw it yourself and you were like, oh, I, can't, you know, I can't get a good place unless. What enabled you to go from, I've got the idea to, I'm going to make this happen? I think a couple of things. One, I wanted to live in a nicer place. I wanted in my second year to live, uh, I'm not talking like a palace, but just a nice, reasonable place that was warm, comfortable and would be you know excited to bring some friends home to or something like that for party drinks whatever and it was very difficult to find places like that i think the other thing is when you're a student you have a shed load of time um i did a relatively challenging degree course chemistry which you know the sciences i think in my second year when we when we did live in the first student crib with five other people i had more hours of, of lectures a week than my five other housemates put together who are doing art subjects. But even doing a science course, you still have so much time at university and I wanted to use that time. I still had lots of fun, but I wanted to use that time to try and get something off the ground. And this just seemed like an obvious gap. You know, all of us were in halls. Suddenly there was a huge rush after about four or six weeks of, of just meeting each other in halls to go and find houses. And they were all pretty rubbish. And, um, you know, whilst we were students... Uh, I didn't see why we shouldn't be given the opportunity to pay a little bit more, I'm talking £10 a week more per bedroom in rent, to live in something that we could enjoy and be proud of. And what we found is, you know, most student landlords didn't give students the, um, you know, the, the respect. They thought that if they gave them a nice house, they would trash it. What we found was that then when we created some nice houses and people wanted to pay a bit more for them, they were proud of the house and they looked after it. I'm not suggesting we haven't had the occasional mishap over the years. One guy built a skateboard ramp inside his bedroom and we came to find there was no plaster on the walls. So it's not it's not always perfect. But actually, you know, we've we've led a lot of student bedrooms now over the years and and people seem to respect them if you give them a nice property. Now in that in this thirteen year period since then, two thousand two to two thousand fifteen, as you mentioned earlier, you were involved in a in another business. That business you, you had fifteen percent share in that other business. That business sold. How were you managing the two businesses? Was it a kind of a focus for a period and then you've come back to this one yeah it was it was an interesting time that and it was exciting so so um i left bristol and my, i was desperate to set up a business for bristol university i didn't even want to go to university i just wanted to set up a business and my dad um was very keen for me to get some qualifications and some experience and um so after bristol i went and worked for anglo-american um in their packaging division on a grab program a big cardboard business called mondi so i worked in cardboard factories in scunthorpe march in the fens and mold in northern wales for two years and i actually learned a lot my dad was right i learned a lot about how a business operates and runs um and the skills and the understanding i, I developed about business have i think definitely helped me to grow businesses faster and more efficiently as a result of that that got me into to meet a guy called marcus hill who had set up london biopackaging uh we're still trading from his 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 house 
from his kitchen table and I joined in. He gave me a share of the business to join and we grew that business pretty quickly from 2006 to 2011. We supplied biodegradable food packaging to the food industry. Um, things like coffee cups and juice containers. And I guess the peak of, of that business was winning the contract to supply the Olympic Games. And um, and it was probably off the back of that contract, actually, that we got enough scale to sell the business as well. And in terms of handling that with student cribs, Marcus was great. He understood that whilst we were going to be growing London Biopacking together, he sort of, I think he wanted me because he knew I was entrepreneurial and would get stuff done and get through hurdles and all the things that you need to have when you're entrepreneurial. But along comes with that you know the fact that you're creative in a business sense and I had this other business which was just getting going we had a couple of people working in student cribs at the time partner Charlie Phillip um, who joined very early on a guy called Tom Ferber who's one of our first tenants um, and we just had two offices next to each other so we had London Biopacking one office and literally two doors down and a little muse we had student cribs and I would um, work in London biopackaging from nine till six. I'd pop across at lunchtime to student cribs, have a little meeting, and then I'd work in student cribs from six till eight in the evening. And um, it was quite hard work, but I was 20, 25, 26, 27, it was fine. And that's how you do it. You work hard and you become incredibly flexible. Lots more coming up from my fantastic business show today, Charlie. Time for some music. This is some stonking new music. I really like this. It's called Essentiel. It's from a Lebanese artist called Ibrahim Malouf. That was essential from Ibrahim Malouf, and I hope you like that as much as I do. Um, Charlie, we're talking about how you manage the two businesses, and I have just got this image of you literally running like a crazy waiter from one room to the next. Okay, which hat have I got on today? It's the bio package, and I'm going to move over to the... But that's amazing. I mean, that really shows energy, and that shows passion. You said you were in your 20s. Um, at what point did you stop... Um, was there an event in the other business, and is that is that when you then started focusing purely on on on, on the, the, there was an groups? event in two businesses, and there was an event in my mind as well. Um, in 2010, we met our chairman, who's now a chairman of Student Cribs, a guy called Brian Linden, who's become my mentor as well. He's a fantastic guy. He was one of the founding partners of a very large private equity firm called Sinven, um, one of the largest European private equity buyout firms. And um, and he was sort of retiring in 2010 from Simbin or stepping back. And he wanted to do two things. He wanted to build a charity. And he has built an amazing charity, which maybe we'll touch on in a moment. And uh, and also have a in- business interest in probably helping an entrepreneur. And I was lucky enough to meet with Brian. And, um, and he invested with some of his um, other founding partners and friends, five and a half million pounds into our first investment fund. And they also bought half of the management company off us. So they gave us... £340,000 for 50% of our business. Now, at the time, we only had 17 houses. My partner, Charlie Phillip, was, was, was involved and Tom. But it was, it, was a, it was a fledgling operation. We were just about breaking even. And why did he buy into you, do you think, in a nutshell? 
I think... Um, as in, it, I don't it, mean financially, I mean as a person, as a human being. Why did Brian say, you know, what, I'm going to mentor this guy? <laughs> um, I think I th- I, we got on well. Um, I think he liked the fact that I had already built a business. I think having done London Biopackaging, at that stage, we were probably turning over five or six million pounds and making a profit from selling paper cups. So I think he, you know, he I had a bit of credibility. Um, and what about the other way, Charlie? What did you buy into with Brian? You said he's your mentor now and he was a great guy. What are the, the two or three characteristics of Brian that make him very important to you as a person in, and in your business? Um, well, the characteristics that make him important now, well, first of all, he's very bright and is, is, you know, comes in and gives us advice that um, you only can get from one someone who's had a lot of experience in running other businesses or being involved in investing and developing other businesses, even though his were much bigger, who buy businesses for a billion euros. Um, but he can come in and give us that sort of helicopter view on situations. But more than that, I just liked him and we got on well. And I think that was by far the most important thing. And he seemed to like me. Um, he's probably regretting that now. But um, He did mention that. <laughs> yeah, he, he, did, he, did, he, didn't he normally does. And, um, uh, and, and he also was keen to, you know, he, I think he also liked the fact we're in property. He wanted, he'd been in a high risk environment in private equity. And um, so, you know, the investments they make make 20% annual returns, 20% IRR kind of investments. Whereas in the space we're in in property, we were looking at more sort of 8 to 12% returns, but they're more solid. Well, not necessarily more solid than Simvent investments, but they are, you know, you're buying into bricks and mortar. It's not going anywhere. So I think both the asset that we were dealing with and also the fact that we got on well was, was, was important to him and to me. Stay with me for my final chat with Charlie, plus hear from Jazz FM Award winner Zara McFarlane. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Night and day from Zara McFarlane, the Jazz FM Award winner this year. Charlie Vaughan leaves with me just for a few more minutes. And um, we've been talking about the role of mentors and about what, who bought into what and so on. You've now got a, a pretty decent sized business, Charlie. You said almost 823 people sleeping in your accommodation. Um, you own those properties. The, the various people own them. What's next? Where, where's this business going to go? If you've got a number in your head, is it 2,000? Is it X hundred, 300 properties? Or, or, or doesn't it work like that for you? No, it does a bit. Um, it's good, I think, to have an idea as to where you want to get to. We would like to be the largest provider of second and third year student accommodation by bed spaces. Student accommodation market it tends to be that um, in the first year people go and live in halls of residence and that's where a lot of institutional money has been pointed because it's quite easy to build a 500 bedroom block and you can get scale quickly. Um, the market that we're in, which is second and third year students, when tenants want to leave halls and go and rent a house with their mates, that's a much more fragmented market. It's not consolidated. It's owned by a lot of individual landlords across the country. And we're the first people that's taking a professionalised approach to that. So there's a big opportunity for us there. And then beyond that, I want to build a big property business. We have a great um, set of skills in our company. We have great development managers who develop our projects. We've refurbished 35 houses over the last 12 weeks from top to bottom across the country. We have a great acquisitions team who are looking for great properties to buy across the country. We have a great lettings and management and marketing team. So we brand all our properties and let them 
and market them well. We manage them through Facebook, so we use Facebook groups to interact with our tenants because it's easier to manage a property with a group of people for a Facebook group than it is via emails, especially if they're young people. Um, and we want to use that for other areas in, in property. We're becoming experts in, in, in old property, so Victorian terraced houses, Edwardian terraced houses, which is a sector of the market and lots of people aren't looking at. And we're doing it in London now. And we could offer those property services to other groups of investors. So that's what we're looking at doing, growing student cribs, but some other brands alongside it, like professional cribs, city cribs. We've got a few other ideas in the pipeline. You look like you're really happy. You look like you're involved and you're enjoying it. Is it more fun than the tuck shop or is it about the same? <laughs> um, but, but seriously, you know that sense when you're it's, young. It's, you know what, it's, it's in the, the same way. thrill. And I think one of the things Brian, our chairman, has been great at is teaching me that it's not just all about you know, doing business and making money. It's about doing it in a good way. Um, he set up a great charity called Second Chance, which takes neat, so young people not in education, employment or training between the age of 16 and 24, um, in, in Elephant and Castle and takes them for a six-month training program, gives them GCSE maths, English and IT skills. And after six months, kicks well, they, they, they come out of the program into a job. We're now looking at setting up a thing called Street Coffee, which will sit on top of that. We've just started that, which is using a bit of my experience from London Biopackaging. And that will be a social enterprise. It will be a not-for-profit business. We'll have, hopefully, coffee carts and kiosks outside tube stations and train stations. And the young people coming out of Second Chance will will work in these as baristas. We're going to send them on barista courses. And so these guys will get their first jobs in life. We're going to pay them the London living wage. And then all the profits will go back to Second Chance and hope to fund more programs and more schools. There's a million young people without employment. So, And I wouldn't have done that or thought about doing that. I think if it wasn't for Brian, I would have just focused on trying to line my own pockets. But it's uh, And don't get me wrong, I want to get rich still and be successful. Um, but it's it's great to to you know use some entrepreneurial skills in another way as well. Brilliant. Listen, well, well, he's a great influence, obviously, on you, and you've mentioned him a fair bit, and I, I think he's doing a fantastic job, as are you. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice, and why have you chosen it? It's Nina Simone and Feeling Good. I've chosen it because you guys wouldn't let me choose a Queen song, which is my passion. <laughs> he's so honest, this bloke. <laughs> <laughs> but I love Nina Simone, and actually I did have a cheesy record player at the top of Waverley Road, the first student crib we bought, and I occasionally tried to woo people playing some Nina Simone and Ella Fitzgerald, which completely failed. Um, my wife would be pleased to hear. Uh, uh, but I love Nina Simone. She's got an amazing voice, great story, and uh, I love this song. Great choice. You've been a great guest. Thank you so much. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. That was feeling good from Nina Simone, the song choice of my business shaper today, Charlie Vaughan Lee. Entrepreneur through and through, right from the age of about 14. He's been creating stuff and enjoying doing so. Super ambitious, absolutely unashamedly saying, at some point I want to be rich and I'm already successful, but I want to make it happen. But measured with the belief in doing the right thing, in, in core values all around actually giving something back and applying his skills in more of a social enterprise way. Fantastic stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place, 9am next Saturday here on Jazz FM. Meantime, stay with us. You know the drill. Coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mish Rea. It's business, 
but it's personal.